0: to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And there's a page number up on the screen for those Bibles that were just handed out. We've been looking at the words of Jesus Christ as He taught His followers in this first recorded message of His. We'll reach the end of the Beatitudes this morning. Can you believe it? Summer's not out, and we're going to get to the end of the Beatitudes. But these eight Beatitudes, as you'll see, really only serve as an introduction to to the message that Jesus gave us, and we will carry on through the Sermon on the Mount, starting next Sunday and progressing into the fall as far as we need to go. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 3-9, to this is what Jesus said. This is our review for this morning. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now last week we talked about the call God has placed on our lives to be peacemakers. This is our identity. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a peacemaker. You and I have been enlisted in God's peacemaking force to restore righteousness in this world, to work to restore things to the way they ought to be according to God's Word. We know that ultimate peace will not be accomplished until Christ returns and takes us home, but we can't deny God's desire to restore peace in the lives and relationships of the people around us. So He's called us to be ambassadors of peace in our daily lives. All around us, all around us, we can see situations in which God desires peace to be restored. And He wants to use us to bring that to pass. We talked as well about making peace with God in our own lives. And praise God, there were four people here last Sunday who made peace with God during this service. No, please understand that this is a place where people can learn to make peace with God. We have to keep that in mind. Don't just assume that your unchurched friends will only find church to be boring or confusing because they just haven't been going. This is the place where they will hear words of life from the Word of God. That's a significant thing. They were created with the need to know the truth that's preached at this church. Take the risk of inviting someone you know to church. Maybe their heart is just waiting to hear words of truth about the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we are their messengers of peace. God has placed us in our neighbor's lives to be peacemakers. Let's step up and embrace that calling. We are the church. The church comes to them through us, and then we have the opportunity to bring them to the church. And I will continue to work at preaching messages that bring hope both for those of us who walk with Christ and those who are not yet walking with Christ. And pray for me in that, in that regard. That's not an easy thing to accomplish. So we've looked at the theme of the Beatitudes, things like humility, sadness over sin, meekness, passion, mercy, purity, and peacemaking. And this morning the Beatitudes reach a crescendo for us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10-12. through 12. And this clearly is not the crescendo we might be looking for. Jesus has been talking about blessing us for acknowledging our dependence on Him. He's been talking about blessing us for taking our sin seriously. He's talking about blessing us for surrendering our will and power to God's control. He addressed the idea of his desire for the way things, for things to be the way they ought to be, becoming our desire for things to be the way they ought to be as well. He talked about blessing us for being merciful. He talked about blessing us for having pure motives. He talked about blessing us for being peacemakers. This is all great stuff. I want those things to be characteristic of my life. I want to be that person that Jesus describes in verses 3 to 9. Being that person sounds like such a great experience. How proud of myself I would be if I truly demonstrated the first seven Beatitudes or make me one fulfilled man. I get excited about becoming more humble and more dependent. I get excited about becoming more disciplined, more empowered, more passionate, more impactful, more merciful. I get excited about having increasingly pure motives and becoming more of a peacemaker. So I can't wait to see what Jesus has for me next, because He says He's going to bless me in all these things. So let's look at verses 10-12. through and see what Jesus wants to bless me with next. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And there it goes. So much for the happy theme. Up until this point, I could see how the work of Christ in our lives could bring about happiness in this process. But now he's crossed the city limits into crazy town. Happy are those who are persecuted. Happy are those who are ill-treated and face hostility. There's no interstate that goes around persecution, bill. We're going straight through it, and somehow we're supposed to be happy about this. If you've spent even just a little time in the Bible, you can't miss the references to followers of Christ facing persecution. Just look at the followers of Christ in the New Testament. Just look at Christ Himself. It's not a happy picture. Yet here He is promising to bless us, guaranteeing us happiness in the midst of facing persecution. So we better come to some kind of understanding what Jesus is saying here. It appears that following the first seven Beatitudes is going to lead us to an experience of the eighth. And if that's the case, then... Maybe we can find a way to avoid this unpleasant thought of facing ill-treatment and hostility. Let's let's look at that first. How can we get around this? Um, None of us really wants to be persecuted. I don't. You don't. It's not high on our list of goals in life. So how do we avoid being persecuted? Well, there are several ways that we can avoid persecution, all of which are related to the Beatitudes. In fact, if I just do the opposite of what the Beatitudes reveal, I will likely avoid any kind of ill-treatment and hostility. First of all, I should fully embrace the idea that I can be a self-made man. This society loves self-made people. We glorify independent spirits. So I need to get on board when it comes to thinking and acting as if I can determine my own destiny. Secondly, I really should do what I can to hide my sin. And cover up any feelings of guilt or shame that I might have over my sin by entertaining myself all the time. The more I keep throwing in my head, the less likely I am to realize the cost of my sin. What happens in my mind stays in my mind. No regrets, no shame. Thirdly, I should use the power that I've been given to respond to my whims and emotions. If I feel like running from something, I should run. I feel like standing and fighting, I should fight. I need to make my feelings my guide. Fourthly, I need to go with the flow. Whatever's trending in my culture is what I should be following too. I don't have the right to believe that there may actually be a higher standard than what society determines. Fifthly, I need to take care of number one first. If my desires are met Maybe I'll help in some charitable way, but I'm certainly not going to let the needs of others determine my actions. Sixthly, I should never question my motives. I'm a good man. I'm sure my thoughts, emotions, and decisions are just fine. I shouldn't feel the need to align my heart with anything but my own desires and my need to feel good. And finally, I need to stay out of other people's business. However they're dealing with their challenges is their concern, not mine. They can stay out of my face, and I'll stay out of theirs. And there, ladies and gentlemen, is the exact opposite of the Beatitudes and how you and I can totally avoid persecution. The American dream does not include persecution, does it? It's centered on comfort and security, all of which leads to the American definition Happiness. The Beatitudes, on the other hand, fly directly in the face of the American dream and do not lead us to comfort and security in this life. But they do lead us to God's definition of happiness. This morning we're going to be confronted with a decision that we simply have to make. Are we choosing God's definition of happiness, which happens to include persecution? or the world's definition of happiness. You and I have been given by God the freedom to decide whether or not we're willing to face persecution. And Jesus could not be more serious about the need to make this decision. And so here, in his first recorded sermon, Jesus makes it clear to his followers that persecution is part of the deal. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you must be willing to face Persecution. This is as fundamental as saying that you really want to be an ambassador for the United States of America, but you're not willing to travel. I cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ if I am not willing to face persecution. If I'm a disciple of Christ, I am by my new nature willing to face persecution. With that in mind, we need to know what this persecution is about. What are the reasons why we can expect to face resentment from the world around us? For what will we be persecuted? Well, Jesus definitely didn't leave us to death on this. Right away in verse 10, he says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. If your employee is mad at you and talking in negative terms about you behind your back, because you wouldn't let him miss work for the birth of his son, that is not persecution. Getting what we deserve for the poor decisions we make is not persecution. Missing out on a promotion because we have not earned that promotion is not persecution. Getting a D on a test that we didn't study for is not persecution. (laughs) Being ostracized for being judgmental is not persecution. Persecution comes because of our pursuit of righteousness. Persecution is the cost of being a peacemaker. Persecution comes when we respond to our calling to be peacemakers, and those peacemaking efforts lead people to confront the truth, and they don't want to confront the truth. If you and I are working to restore things to the way God designed them to be, then we To make somebody mad. The world's way of thinking says, leave me alone, I'll do whatever I want. Peacemakers say, I can't leave you alone. God has something much greater in mind for you. And some people will resent the idea that maybe their way is not the best way, even for their own sake. Our pursuit of righteousness starts with our own lives we are to have a strong desire to see our lives be the way they ought to be. And if they do reach that point of becoming the way they ought to be, that in itself will result in persecution sometimes. If I am the man God calls calls me to be, that standard will go public. There are things I won't do because of God's standard for my life and those things will make me stand out. I know that kind of persecution. This past week, I took the Strengths Finder test for the very first time. Um, if you've taken this, you'll you'll understand as well. Um, my number one theme is belief. I strongly believe the things that I stand for. People have shut me out because of what I believe and how strongly I cling to what I believe. I've been ridiculed for believing things that go contrary to the values of the society around us. When we speak of things being the way God desires them to be in a crowd that doesn't believe what we do, there's going to be persecution. But it is only persecution when it comes as a result of us attempting to restore things to the way they ought to be. Peacemaking often involves us sticking our noses into someone else's business for the sake of restoring peace between two people that we know. That's often not well-received. Resolving conflict involves two people humbling themselves. So their pride is confronted, and people who are having their pride confronted can be very defensive people. I can be a very defensive people if you confront my pride. Guiding someone else to make peace with God can create persecution. Now, I recently witnessed a friend who confronted the sin in the life of somebody new, and that's a very biblical thing for a brother in Christ to do for someone that attempt to bring peace into that man's life turned into a barrage of persecution for my friend. And all he was doing was striving for righteousness, but it didn't hurt him to be a peacemaker. If it's not for the sake of righteousness, it's not persecution. You can see the progression through the Beatitudes. Becoming the person that's described in the Beatitudes will lead me to become a peacemaker, which will lead me to experience some persecution along the way. For the sake of righteousness, for the right reason. Uh, We don't have to look far for an example. Jesus Christ was the original peacemaker. He came to restore things to the way they ought to be between us and God and between each other. And look at what he suffered for the sake of righteousness. His disciples provide many more examples for us, and so do followers of Christ throughout history. They paid the price, some of them with their own lives standing up for righteousness, but it was always for righteousness. Persecution happened because they had a hunger and thirst for righteousness, for things to be restored to the way they ought to be in all areas of life. So what then does this persecution look like? Well, let's look at what happened to the great former persecutor himself, Paul. He had spent his life persecuting Christians in some very violent ways. and Then he himself became one of those Christians. What happened to him? Turn to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. See, Paul bragged about his persecution a little. In Philippians 3, Paul lists his credentials, his heritage, his education, and all that. But his list here is very different. His credentials now include these things. This is what Paul writes, um, speaking of others that are claiming power in the church um, it says, are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. And I love this. I'm talking like a madman. <laughs> with far greater labors, far more imprisonment imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and day I was adrift at sea, On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Sounds great, doesn't it? Sign me up for that. Okay, realistically. Is not something that we really need to fear every day in this society. You're probably not going to be shipwrecked anytime soon. Well, if you take a cruise, there's, there's a chance now, these days, you should be a friend. And if you find yourself being whipped in a synagogue, there's probably a bigger problem there. But does that mean that persecution is a thing of the past? Well, certainly not in some countries around the world, like we've talked about already today. Um, or just visit the website of an organization called The Voice of the Martyrs. Persecution is very much alive in our world, but what could it look like here in Indian, Minnesota? Well, one way in which persecution manifests itself, manifests itself here is through ostracizing. Taken down to its core definition, this great word that's translated, persecution. To be persecution means to be chased or driven away. Paul was chased and pursued, even on the high seas, and eventually thrown in prison. John was chased to the point of being exiled on the island of Patmos. But the chasing doesn't have to be that dramatic to be that painful. If you stand up and are recognized as a follower of Jesus, your persecution may be as small but as painful as using It's losing your place in a social circle. Acceptance and popularity are very, very high values to us, aren't they? Persecution for many of us may mean that we lose our place in the crowd. Peacemaking can be a very, very lonely calling. We may lose our place of honor in the kingdom of this world. Not all of us desire to have a high social position, but none of us wants to be isolated and alone. Jesus says that we're blessed when we're driven away. He also says that we're blessed when people criticize us for our pursuit of righteousness. People are going to criticize peacemakers. We're going to be told that we have no right to think that we have the answers of the truth when we actually do. Jesus says that we're blessed when people are making false accusations against us. Think about our society for a moment. We have a really hard time with people who look like they have it all together, don't we? When the light shines on a good person, we put on our critic hats and we look for something that's wrong with them. And we'll easily believe a lie that circulates about someone if it makes us feel better about ourselves. I was involved in ministry in Canada many years back, and I took a step to restore righteousness in that ministry. Um, things were getting off track in the youth ministry that I was working in, and I confronted that reality with the desire to see things get back to the way they ought to be. The teams that I was working with, who really loved me and I loved them, were told uh, behind my back and in a very public setting that. Paul has some things he needs to get right with God, and he will not be permitted to work with you guys anymore. False accusations are going to come to peacemakers and those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, even in the church. You taking a stand for your faith in the workplace just may lead to some false accusations being spread by people that can't handle being faced with the truth. In fact, in this day and age, and more in the one to come, you may be chased, driven away from your job for the sake of righteousness. So what if you are? Suppose you lose your job because you simply couldn't ignore the need for peace in a situation that God has placed you in. Suppose you take a stand and lose your place in that social circle that you admire so much. Suppose your sister refused to speak to you now because you spoke into a family situation out of a desire for righteousness. Then what? Well, Jesus gave us an answer for that as well he said, we're to rejoice and be glad. Do you know what that means? It means that that we're to be happy deep down inside, and we're to be jumping for joy on the outside. That's what it means. And here's where I think we really struggle. I know I do. I think it's pretty hard for us to picture ourselves being cut off by our friends at work, let's say, and being happy. I think it's difficult for us to rejoice over what would happen if we told our classmates that we're followers of Jesus and then get laughed out of that social circle for being idiots. I think we have a very difficult time seeing ourselves giving thanks for suddenly not getting invited to the neighborhood parties because we shared our faith story with someone and then they mocked us behind their backs in front of the rest of the neighborhood. We don't want to be chased away. We don't want to lose any level of acceptance that we might currently have. We don't want to be mocked. We don't want to be spoken of in negative ways at all. We don't want to risk being on the outside so we refuse to stand up for righteousness. Our current state of happiness and comfort is of far more value than whatever Jesus is offering when he says, Blessed! Our current state of comfort, listen to this, is also far more important to us than our neighbor's salvation. We'd rather leave people alone and let them go through life without Christ because we're afraid of whatever that persecution might look like for us. That fear that controls us so easily needs to die. Jesus said, He will bless us. He will make us happy if we're persecuted for the sake of righteousness. God blesses peacemakers. And guess what? His blessing is going to make us much, much, much happier than being the most accepted housewife on the block ever will. God has in mind for us completely shatters and exceeds that feeling that we get from being the cool guy at the office that just smiles and goes along with everything. How much more rewarding is it to be the one who's looked up to rather than just be one of the crowd? How much happier will you be to have taken a chance on gaining something eternal, even if you do get rejected, than if you just settle for something temporal? Temporal, but comfortable and easy. And let's talk about that rejection as we wrap things up here. You and I have a choice. We have a choice. We can take the acceptance we get in this world by keeping our mouths shut and ignoring the need for righteousness. Or we can take what Jesus promises behind door number two. And in this beatitude, the reward is twofold. In verse 10, Jesus says, we get the kingdom of heaven in exchange for this kingdom. He starts and ends the Beatitudes with this promise. And then in verse 12, he talks about our reward in heaven. He says, it's great. Massive understatement. Will you gladly lay down your place in this kingdom in exchange for a place in his kingdom? Persecution is a sign that we're taking the Beatitudes seriously. It's a sign that we're becoming more and more like Christ. And isn't that what we want? To become more and more like Christ or to become more and more like the world? If we become more like the world, I guarantee you that we will face far less persecution. But If we become more like Jesus, I guarantee you we will face persecution think it will come in the form of loneliness and feeling like an outsider. Because we are outsiders. We are not of this world. We are children of the kingdom of heaven. No more fear. Why? Because Jesus told us what kind of company we keep when we are willing to be driven Away, to be cast out of the world for the sake of righteousness. He just put us in the company of the prophets. Did Jesus' disciples have great social standing? No. Were they on their own a lot? It would seem that way, especially for John who was dropped on an island and left there as punishment. Were these men accepted like we want to be accepted? Not even close. Not at all. But they walked with the prophets who had gone before them. They walked with legends. And they walked with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You think they're all sitting in heaven right now complaining that they should have been more to avoid that persecution when they're down here? No way. Looking back, they wouldn't trade a minute of what they experienced, no matter how hard They wouldn't trade the insults, the abuse, the imprisonment, even the crucifixion or beheading. Because they would never give up the opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ. Are we there this morning? Are we? Can we see life as an opportunity to walk with Jesus So much so that we're willing to endure any hardship, any persecution that comes as a result of our pursuit of righteousness. Is it the devotion of Jesus' followers that has drawn you to Jesus? It has been for me. Well, then how are others going to be drawn to Jesus through us if we're afraid to stand out and be persecuted because of our desire and our pursuit of righteousness? I'm going to ask you to do something with me right now. I'm going to ask you to answer a few questions. And here are the questions Are you willing to stand up and be counted for Jesus Christ? Are you willing to face whatever persecution might come your way for the sake of righteousness, for the sake of being used by God to restore things to the way they ought to be, for the sake of being a peacemaker? Are you willing to choose God's blessings and be persecuted if that's what He needs from you? If you are, then stand up right now. Jesus has just shown us who we are in the Beatitudes. He's described these people that we want to become. The people who are described in the Beatitudes are people who are willing to be persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Are you Are you willing to be persecuted? And please don't stand if you don't mean this. Don't stand just because you're thinking, if people see me sitting down, this is going to be so embarrassing. Stand because you mean it. We are children of our Father, God. We have chosen to be peacemakers, to pursue righteousness. And with that choice is going to to come persecution. If you're going to be the person described in the Beatitudes, you will be persecuted. And you standing right now says, I'm willing to take that. Bring it on. Let me pray for you right now. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when Others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on the account of Jesus Christ. Rejoice and be glad, Chapel Hill, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we stand before you right now and you know our hearts. You know whether or not we're willing to do this. And we're standing before you to say yes God, we are willing to face persecution if that's what has to come from being a peacemaker, from being a person that's described in the Beatitudes, from being a follower of Jesus Christ. We stand and declare ourselves available to you for whatever you desire, for your purposes, for your kingdom. And we'll face whatever might come. Father, it's not going to be as hard for us as it was for your son. And he was perfect and didn't deserve any of what he got. It's not going to be as hard as it was for the disciples of your son, for those that followed Jesus and walked with him. If you're asking something of us for being a follower of Jesus, then take it. Father, give us strength to stand up and be counted as your children. Give us the strength to face the persecution that's going to come. We don't take this lightly to give ourselves to you afresh this morning as followers of Jesus Christ, willing to stand up and be counted. Pay the price, whatever the price may be. We give ourselves to you again in the name of your Son who suffered it all for us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And have a seat. And ask the ushers to come forward now to take the offering. The worship team to come and turn to the stage. We're going to sing, You are my vision, and this has to be central for all of us. Christ has to be our vision. If He is our vision, life will seem like a walk with Jesus. And that's what we want it to be. Let's pray, and then we'll take the offering and sing. Father, You have given us so much. You have been so generous with us. But You've asked a lot of us as well. And we're willing to give it, Lord. We just ask for Your blessing. You've promised to bless those who are persecuted. We're counting on that blessing. You've promised blessing throughout the Beatitudes. We're counting on all those blessings. We praise you for being God who blesses generously. we come now to give back to you generously so your kingdom can advance further and further. Jesus, you are our vision. And we love that we can walk through life with you. Make us more and more like you. We pray this in your name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.